Welcome to a very special edition of the Cross Border Interview Podcast. From time to time, the show will be diverting from its show structure to discuss the most important issue of the day, whether it's an election, an award show, breaking news across the world, or an issue of a local scale. We will be bringing guests onto the show to discuss the issues that is on everyone's mind. So here now is the Cross Border Interview Podcast discussing the second and final presidential debate. So, last night was the third but really second presidential debate of the 2020 United States presidential election. Uh, there is a lot to unpack from that last night's debate, but a little brief uh, beforehand. Uh, the latest polls have Donald Trump trailing Joe Biden, Vice President Joe Biden, between 7 to 10 points nationally. Uh, that number does shrink a little when you start looking at individual states like Michigan, like Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, North Carolina, where Joe Biden needs to pick up support to potentially get his clear path to 270 electoral votes. Um, now, last night's debate, uh, everyone was anticipating uh, a repeat of the first debate uh, where everyone was over-talking each other. And one thing the presidential commissions on debates did was add a mute button. So for the first two minutes of each uh, candidate's statements, the other person's mic would be muted. So for the first two minutes when Joe Biden was talking, Donald Trump's mic would be muted. And vice versa, when Donald Trump was talking, Joe Biden's mic would be muted. Um, this was a welcome relief to political observers from across the spectrum. Uh, it did tone down the uh, attitude and the uh, debate that we saw in the first uh, presidential debate to a two compared to a 10 that was in the first debate back in September. Now, one thing I will start off with that Kristen Welker of the NBC did a fantastic job. She let uh, candidates rebut each other, but she kept people on time. They ran a few minutes late, but for the most part, they kept on time. Now, this was, like I said, the second time that Joe Biden and Donald Trump had met. The second debate that was supposed to happen was canceled because of President Trump's uh, COVID uh, prognosis. He was diagnosed with COVID after uh, an event at the White House Rose Garden. So that second debate did not happen because the presidential committee tried to presidential debate committee tried to make it a virtual Donald Trump did not like that so the second debate did not happen so this is technically the third debate but it's the second debate so here we are um that first hour of the debate i think every side was relieved because there was no overtalking there was no actual uh conflict that you saw in that first debate where President Trump and Joe Biden, I will say, interrupted the other person. And there was an actual debate. Policy, actual uh, issues were raised and issues were talked about. And I don't think we expected that. And it was a welcome sign of uh, what could be true presidential elections. 
like I said, Kristen Welker did an amazing job. She kept everything on time, running smoothly. And one thing that I did like was her questions. They were split up into six sections. One, the very first thing that uh, came off was the COVID-19 response. Um, We are in the middle of a pandemic. This election has divided a country that has been slowly moving to polar ends of the political spectrum more and more each election cycle. And this one is no exception. And then you throw in a pandemic like COVID-19, it's going to divide the country even further. Uh, President Trump started off the debate basically saying that it's on the decline. There is no uh, measure that says that this is on the decline. He also said that a cure is coming within weeks, but he doesn't know when that exactly is. It could be by the end of the year, it could be in 2021, but in weeks we'll have a cure. Uh, He did uh, talk about his... uh, Role And he did, I think, and people can correct me if I'm wrong here, did say that he did take responsibility. But at the end of the day, it was all of China's fault. So there was a moment when I think even Joe Biden looked a little shocked in his uh, response to last night's uh, debate when Trump basically admitted that he does take responsibility, but not full responsibility because it's China's fault for bringing the flu here. The virus here, I apologize. Now, like I said, Trump has said that it's going away and you're seeing hot spots in democratically run states. So you're seeing hot spots in, as he said, Look how Como's doing it in New York. Look how the governor or the how Michigan's whole handling it, how Pennsylvania's handling it. What I find funny is he likes to jump on uh, Chris Como. Uh, it's Chris Como, sorry, Andrew Como, the governor of New York, but he doesn't seem to technically say the names of the governors of the other Democratic states. I'm not sure if it's because he doesn't know them or if he's just unsure of who they actually are. So in Pennsylvania, it's Governor Wolf, and in Michigan, it's Governor Whitker, who recently just had a massive issue where a militia group was going to kidnap her and overthrow the government. So you think they would he would know those two names, but he did mention the governor of Michigan's husband, who seems to have full immunity of going out and doing whatever he wants during a lockdown, which I have not seen a report either way of that, so I cannot confirm that. Now, Biden, in all his uh, ability to talk to the people, did say that it's not a blue state issue, it's not a red state issue. It's an American issue. We need to fight this as an American people. But what I found was he then transitioned to say, but where you're seeing the spikes in cases are in the Midwest where Republicans are being, where Republicans are governor, which is true. All data says where you're seeing the most increases in hospitality, in uh, hospital rates, and also COVID infection rates are in those Midwest states. 
uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, Idaho, uh, you are seeing a significant increase in COVID cases in those states. Now, yes, the major metropolitan cities are in democratically run states, Illinois, uh, Michigan, Pennsylvania, New York, and California, and you're seeing an increase. But per population, you are seeing an also larger increase in those Midwestern states, like I said. So Trump came out with a pretty big uh, oopsie when he was talking about that. I I think he played to his base quite well there where it's uh, the rest of America's got it under control. But the bigger states that are run by the Democrats, the uh, leftist Democrats, as he would say, are slowly falling apart. So we need to reelect Donald Trump so that way the leftists don't control. Now, the best attack line for Donald Trump, and we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about Donald Trump first, and then we're going to go into Joe Biden. The best attack line for Donald Trump last night, and he did it pretty spectacularly. He said to Vice President Joe Biden, why didn't you get it done? when talking about the uh, uh, crime bill, the 1994 crime bill, Joe Biden tried to say that he was trying to overturn it. Donald Trump basically said, why didn't you get it done? Why didn't you get it done? You had 40, 39 years in the Senate, and then you had eight years as vice president. Why didn't you get it done? And Joe Biden did not have a good answer to come back. He basically said, well, The Republican, it was a Republican Congress, so we couldn't get it done. That doesn't pass the smell test. Joe Biden, since the start of this campaign, has said he is the candidate that can work across the aisle. He's uh, touted that he worked with John McCain. He disagreed with him vehemently, but at the end of the day, he did not. He got things done with uh, John McCain. So the question is, as eight years as vice president, 39 years in the Senate, why couldn't you get things changed? You you say you work across party lines, but if you can't get it done as the vice president, and I understand the vice president doesn't really have a major role in uh, domestic politics. Uh, he is mostly a uh, uh, figurehead. Uh, I think uh, John Adams said it best that he, I'm not, I'm not I'm paraphrasing here, that the vice president's job is probably the one uh, most pomp and circumstance. It really doesn't do much except sit in the Senate and vote if there's a tiebreaker. So Joe Biden could have got it done. He did say, well, I'm, I'm going to be president. I'm not going to be vice president. I'm going to be president, so I'm going to get it done. It just doesn't pass the smell test because if he could have gotten it done, he should have gotten it done. Um, I know uh, from reporting, and I watch MSNBC, I watch CNN, I watch ABC News, uh, I try to keep up on current events. Um, There is a portion of the African-American community that do not like Biden because of that crime bill. So Trump mentioning, why didn't you get it done, does actually play into his hand because he's been trying to attract uh, black voters to his base because he is seeing uh, leaks from white women, college women, that he needs to try and 
pick up support from everywhere else. So right now, with with Donald Trump basically saying, why didn't you get it done, was probably, and I, I'm going to say this, the best line of the night. And, and I, I mean that with all due respect, because Donald Trump does not have, any, have that many good nights. Last night was a good night because he talked about Joe Biden's failure to get things that he says he's champion done in his 47 years in the federal government. One of the other things that I found interesting with with, uh, Donald Trump was he talked about I, I didn't want to get into the presidential debate. It was it was only because of Barack Obama and Joe Biden that I got into the presidential debate. Ironic, because that's what Joe Biden is saying as well. Joe Biden didn't get into this race until that Charlottesville, South Carolina rally where a woman died. And Donald Trump allegedly said there are fine people on both sides of the issue. So it's kind of ironic that you have two people running against each other who say, I got in because of you and I got in because of you. So um, Trump, for all it's worth, uh, I would say he did okay job last night. He pleased his base. I was watching, like I said, CNN and uh, CNBC and MSNBC, sorry, and he, they, they were, the Republicans were saying they are happy. They are sighing a sigh of relief because with only 11 days left with Donald Trump trailing 7 to 10 points nationally who is a drag on the ticket bringing down Senate Republicans who are bringing down House Republicans national polling numbers or polling numbers uh, Donald Trump needed a good night and I think he had it um Yes, he lied, and that's Donald Trump. He will lie, and he will mischaracterize the truth in every way that he possibly can. But overall, I think Donald Trump might have actually picked up one or two points tonight. It did not seem like it might come from places where he needs to win. Georgia, Arizona, North Carolina, Florida, Pennsylvania, Ohio... Michigan, Wisconsin, but he might have picked up his base, the base, the salt, the, the, the hesitant Republican who were saying, I'm not sure if I should uh, vote for him because of his first debate performance. But last night, I think it solidified his support. So I think you might see a bump here and with only 11 days left, you might be getting into a potential closer race than it is now. Uh, I, I, I'm not a, I, I'm not going to say uh, how close it's going to get, if it's even going to move. I just think he solidified his base tonight. And that 7 to 10 point national lead that Biden has is probably going to shrink to probably about 5 to 7. So just because of that soft support that Donald Trump had. Now, let's talk about Joe Biden. Oh, Joe, 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 Joe. Joe had a good night. For Joe, having a good night means he didn't put his foot in his mouth. He did a few times, though. And there are a few areas that I want to talk about. One came about an hour and 20 minutes into into the debate. Now, I'm a political watcher. Uh, I'm hoping most people would know this reference, but... 
But minute and twenty minute, uh, an hour and twenty minutes into the debate, Joe Biden looked at his watch. Now, for the political observers like me, you would know that does not go over well in presidential debates. In 1992, the presidential debate, the town hall debate between incumbent President George W. Bush, challenger, governor at that time, Governor Bill Clinton, and businessman Ross Perot. Yes, there was three people on that stage. Incumbent President George W. Bush looked at his watch during a question from the audience. Now, this was a separate, this is a different setup that they had. This had a, uh, in this debate, there was a moderator, two candidates. During the 1992 debate, there was, it was a town hall. Now, that moment when George, George H.W. Bush, Father Bush, looked at his watch, the implication of that was he was bored. He was checked out. He did not want to be there anymore. And that's what it seemed like for Joe Biden. For the first hour, he was doing good. He was being personable. He looked at the camera. He talked to the uh, to the American people. But at that moment, I went, "What are you doing? Why are you looking at your watch? You should. There should be nothing more important than this debate right now. You do not need to be looking at your watch to figure out what time it is." His debate handlers should have taken that watch from him. I, I, I'm flabbergasted that that even happened. So that's here nor there. One of the other big perks that Joe Biden had was he finally said his phrase that everyone was dying to hear. And Twitter blew up last night because of it. He said the, the M word, malarkey. Joe Biden is so... So good at being the folksy politician. Joe saying malarkey lit up Twitter. And everyone who had bingo cards was able to cross off that spot last night because uh, they, they've they wanted it. They've wanted it since that first debate between him and President Trump. And he finally got it. Uh, I wouldn't be able to tell you what they were talking about at the time, but I can tell you that when that happened, I chuckled a bit. Um one of the other areas that Joe, uh, so I, I, I'm going to say this fumbled because his debate, his uh, uh, press people afterwards had to clean it up a bit. Joe Biden talked about last night phasing out the oil industry in 2050 because he wants to get to a net neutral carbon emissions by 2050. <sighs> so I live in Alberta. Uh, some would call the Texas of Canada. Um, oil and the oil industry is everything in this province. Uh, we are trying to diversify, but at the same time, we are so reliant on the oil industry, it's not funny. Joe Biden last night made a blunder for many states, which could potentially swing a few points in those swing states that he so desperately needs to win to potentially get to his path to 270 electoral college votes. Joe talking about facing up the oil industry will hurt him in three potential swing states. Two swing states, one state that he's been polling quite good at. 
Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is within the margin of error for Joe Biden right now. The latest polls on 538.com have Joe Biden leading within the margin of error between five and eight points. The margin of error is usually about four, but five to eight points is not a lot. In presidential elections, four points is not a lot of comfort zones. You need a good, a good base, a good about 10 points to feel comfortable about that state. And with only a five to eight point margin, between Joe Biden and Donald Trump in Pennsylvania, that state could potentially see a big swing after last night. Um, Now, for those who look into the little nitty gritties of presidential politics, Pennsylvania is a unique state. Um, I, I had a friend who lived in Pennsylvania for a while and there is Philadelphia, there is Pittsburgh, and there is the Bible Belt. That means that anywhere in between Pittsburgh and Pencil- and uh, Philadelphia, it is conservative country. Joe Biden needs to pick up some of those counties between Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. If he does not, he does not win Pennsylvania. He does not become the next president of the United States of America. So that oil industry, that oil phasing out the oil industry remark last night is not going to go over well in that rural area that is Pennsylvania. The other area, the other swing state that is going to potentially get hurt here is Ohio. Now, Ohio is even closer. Trump is up between, in some polls, he's up three points. In other polls, Biden is up one point. So this is a swing state. Trump needs to win Ohio and Pennsylvania to win the presidency. If Biden keeps on talking about phasing out the oil industry, this game over. Ohio and Pennsylvania will not, I might repeat, will not vote for Joe Biden. And this is the main thing that happened last night. Joe Biden's team, after the debate, started to clarify his remarks. If you have to clarify your candidate's remarks after the debate, you are losing. You are on the losing side of that issue. So the fact that he came, they came out and they were trying to clarify him phasing out the oil industry does not bode well in those two swing states. Now, the other state that uh, Biden sort of potentially lost last night is Texas. For some strange reason, uh, pollsters and pundits are saying that Texas is now a swing state. I do not agree with that. I think Texas is solidly red. It will be in the solidly red column for a while. Um, But the latest polls, and yet again, polls don't matter. The only poll that matters is Election Day. Um, The latest polls have Trump up two points or potentially in other polls, Biden up one point. So they're saying Texas is a swing state. Texas might go blue this time. I do not believe it. I do not think it will ever go blue in my lifetime. Um, They have a better chance of picking up Georgia and Arizona, but not Texas. And the other state that might hurt them, which yet again, no chance in heck that Joe Biden would ever win this state is Oklahoma. So these are states that they need to potentially win, 
but I, I don't think the latter two, Oklahoma and Texas, it will matter much. Pennsylvania and Ohio, though, Joe Biden potentially put himself into a hole here. Now, Joe also talked about talked last night, and this is the great thing about Joe. Joe does well, and I, I, I shouldn't say Joe, Vice President Biden does extremely well when he's talking to the camera. He should have done that more last night. He got tripped up so many times when President Trump would say something negative. And the best thing that I've ever heard is, if you don't like the premise of the question, make the premise of the question your own. He should have pivoted to things that he knew. He should have just stayed on his talking points. And these two politicians are not talking point guys. So it was it's going to be hard for them, but he should have pivoted. He should have pivoted back to things that he should he knows he should have talked about things. Uh, I, I should have mentioned this beforehand. Trump did have a good line as well about how Joe Biden is uh, a politician. Uh, it was about we're not talking about your family. We're not talking about my family. Joe Biden said we're talking about your family, the American family, the people who are sitting around the table and. Trump basically looked at him and said, hey, I'm not a politician. I would never do that. We're here to talk about what we want to talk about. Okay. Yes, it might sound condescending, but overall, it was well said for Donald Trump, but also played into Joe Biden's hand as well. So what's next? (laughs) We now have, as of recording, 11 days, 11 days of this fun madness, fun madness of who will be the 45th reelected president or the 46th president-elect as of November 3rd. We have polls that are saying Joe Biden's going for a landslide. We have some really weird polls that say Donald Trump is going for a massive victory of winning all but three states, which <clears throat> it's been done before, but I, I, I don't hold credence to those polls. Now, as I've said in this podcast, in this show, Trump wins Pennsylvania, it's over. He has a better shot of being president if Trump wins Pennsylvania. You damn well better believe that Trump's campaign team is going to be sending him to Pennsylvania and Florida as much as possible over the next 11 days. There are six swing states that you're going to see the candidates rely on in the next few days. Everywhere else, sorry, you're a lost cause. Elections don't matter in those states anymore. Those states that I'm talking about are North Carolina, Florida, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin. Six states that if they all go Biden and he keeps the states that won, that Hillary Clinton won in 2016, he has a path to victory. The clear path to victory for Trump, though, is to recreate the 2016 win. Arizona, Georgia, Florida, North Carolina, 
Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin. He picks up those eight states. Done. So, the thing that is going in Biden's direction right now are strong Democratic candidates for Senate. Cal Cunningham in North Carolina, polling much better than uh, Donald Trump and Tom Tillis of North Carolina, the Senate candidate for the Republicans. These are that is going to be a close election. If Cal Cunningham, the Democratic candidate for Senate in that state, wins, Biden will win North Carolina's electoral votes. Arizona. Astronaut Mark Kelly, uh, husband to former Congresswoman uh, Gabby Giffords, he has been polling significantly higher than Martha Scali. If Mark can win Arizona, Biden win Arizona. As you see, if, he, if Trump loses these two states, his path to victory gets smaller. He has to rely heavily on Florida, Georgia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin. With over 45 million people, according to the last numbers, 45 million people already pre-voted in this election, this election is going to be a massive turnout. Higher turnout favors the opponent. Lower turnout favors the incumbent. Now, you can say that, but COVID-19 has changed the rules. Are people voting now because they want to be sure they vote and they don't want to spend 15, 16 hours in a lineup on election day? Or are they voting because they want to make sure that their candidate wins? These are the questions that we have. Now, before I do let you go here, I'm going to say this. I predicted Hillary Clinton was going to win in the last election. I was wrong. Um, Donald Trump has played to his base quite well. Donald Trump has been able to stay in the 40-point range of approval quite well over the last three and a half years. Now, if Joe Biden has any chance in hell of actually winning this election, he has to do two to three things. Ensure voter turnout, shore up his base, and don't put his foot in the mouth, which we saw last night with that oil industry mark. If he keeps on saying things like that, he will lose Ohio, he will lose Pennsylvania, and game over. Donald Trump is re-elected as your 45th president of the United States. As much as I hate to say this, put Joe in a bunker for the next 11 days, put him on a video chat with the American people, hope to God there's no October surprise like there was last year or last election with Hillary Clinton's email, emails being reinvestigated. So 
I am hoping, hoping that everything is going to be calm for the next 11 days, but I, I highly doubt that. So I'm going to make a bold prediction here. I shouldn't. I told you I wasn't going to, but I'm going to. The, the House of Representatives on November 3rd will stay Democratic. They might pick up a few seats, but overall, they will st- it will stay Democratic. The Senate. I believe the Senate is going to be very close. The Senate Democrats need four seats to win a majority. They cannot lose any of their their current senators. And that is going to be an issue. There's one senator, one Democratic senator, who is in a tough fight for his life. Alabama senator Doug Jones. Doug is on the path to losing his seat. So if that's the case, the Democrats need to pick up five seats. It's been done. Like we've said, Arizona, Mark Kelly. He's going to win. North Carolina, Cal Cunningham, he's going to win. Maine, Susan Collins, Republican senator, longtime Republican senator since the late early 90s. She's in a tough fight. Her, uh, her opponent is the former speaker of the uh, speaker of the uh, House of Representatives in Maine. I think she is going to win. And I apologize for not knowing her name right now. It's escaped me. So Susan Collins is going down. North Carolina, Tom Tillis is going down. Martha in Arizona, going down. So that's three. So they have to pick up two more. There are two states where there is a potential of picking up. One with Georgia. Georgia has two elections right now, a special election and a regular election. Uh, Poll after poll has the general election in a very close race. It actually is a very close race. Um, The special election, not so much. So if the... Pardon me. If the senators... If if the Democratic candidates can pick up... Or the Democratic Senate caucus can pick up at least one of those Georgia seats, it's good. So... Arizona, North Carolina, Maine, Georgia. That's four. You need one more. So where is that potentially coming from? So one of the other states that uh, has been swinging Democrat significantly over the last few years is Colorado. Elected the first Jewish, openly gay governor in the last governor election there. And their current governor, or their former governor, John Hickenlooper, is up for re- uh, is running for the Senate. Poll after poll says he is going to win. There's your five. So, if the Democrats can win Arizona, Colorado, one of the Georgia seats, which is pretty strong hesitation to say that's going to happen, North Carolina and Maine, that's five. If they lose Doug Jones, which they will, they'll take the Senate. So that's good. 
Now, my presidential pick for November 3rd. <sighs> my apprehension is to say Joe Biden is going to win. But something inside me says Donald Trump will be re-elected the 45th president of the United States of America on November 3rd. The soft support, the hidden support that Trump has in rural areas of democratic states, as he likes to call them, is too unknown. That's what happened in the last election. The unknown, the hidden votes, the first-time voters that came out and voted for the not-a-politician, Donald Trump. So I'm going to say with all all bones in my body saying the opposite, Donald Trump will be re-elected as the 45th president of the United States. There's my prediction. So with that, I want to thank you so much for listening. Uh, I apologize for ranting a bit for today, but I uh, hope you've enjoyed. Uh, we are back tomorrow, which is Saturday, Saturday, October 24th, with a special guest, uh, Canadian singer-songwriter Teresa Sikorka. So please tune into that because it is an episode that I've been wanting to uh, air for a while but we finally got it recorded and i am i'm really happy for it so check it out be sure to tune in don't forget to like and subscribe thanks very much guys have yourself an excellent day thank you once again for listening to the cross-border interview podcast if you love this episode of the cross-border interview podcast head over to itunes or wherever you get your podcast and subscribe rate us and leave us a review all the links to our social media accounts are in the show notes or visit www.crossborderinterviews.ca the cross-border interview podcast was produced and edited by miranda brown and associates incorporated be sure to tune in for our next episode of the cross border interview podcast once again thank you